See nothing. There it is. Up in the oh, corner. Great. Hey, we're live. It's the greatest start to a show ever. Did you listen back and hear Kristen say sh- uh, shots no, fired? No, I didn't. Dame, hi. <laughs> hi. It's a great, great start to our show. Today. Dame, in the course of the week that I just had, um, at one moment I had some time to myself to sit with my thoughts, and I thought of what I believe to be the creepiest first date you could take someone on. And I wanted to see if it, it resonates with you. Proceed. What if you went on a first date with someone? I mean, nothing like two men who've been married for not yeah. to each other, but for, for you know, a couple of decades each. Yeah. Um, what if you took someone on a first date to an escape room and it was just the two of you and the date starts with you getting locked in the room with, with basically a stranger. And then there's of course the people who work at the escape room are watching you on a closed circuit camera. Yeah. Is that the creepiest first date ever? Yeah. That, that would have to be up there. The only way it could be creepier is if that, if the escape room journey starts in a bedroom. Oh, that is that you've, you've, uh, that you've gone too far. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, hey, Dame. Hello, Andy. Hello, Big Rick Swink. You know, Dame, this is a special episode of the, the Pete the Planner Show because we are, for the very first time, bringing a dear colleague of ours onto the show, uh, someone we've talked about uh, on the show, and we we promised her to everyone last week. Her name is Stacy Livingston-Hoyt. Let me bring her on stage. Hello, Stacy. Hi. Good morning, all. Welcome to the show. Is this the first time you've been uh, on a podcast? Not my first time on a podcast. First time live streaming. Okay. So there is that element. So first time yeah. live streaming. How about radio? Because which is a, which is a medium that many believe is unimportant. Mm. Has the first time on the radio? First time on the radio. Dame, you know what's disturbing about hearing that this is the first time on Stacy? Stacy's on the radio. Is Stacy has the perfect broadcasting voice? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure how she didn't get identified for some work at some point. <laughs> Stacy, do you realize the quality of your voice? I've heard that, and thank you for that. My husband and my kids don't I don't get that from them. Sure. <laughs> but thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think that's pretty sta- I thought that was just a man's problem where my my w- spouse and children do not recognize the skills that I have, but apparently it transfers to all households in America. Um, Dame Kristen is what is she's out gallivanting somewhere? I don't even know what she's doing. She well, she's probably watching the show with her sister right now. Oh yeah, I guess nice. we'll see. Uh, hi Rochelle, welcome to the show. Um, all right, Dame. This week we've got a couple listener questions. We're going to talk about withdrawal rates uh, and why they matter, and uh, regular Guam and news. Uh, Dame, and you're you're you're. You're not here next week, nor are any of us, because it's yeah. Thanksgiving week. <laughs> I was going to say, don't put this juju on me, Peter Dunn. <laughs> Nobody's here. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be at Top Golf during the show next week. Nice. Yeah, uh, my uh, family coming in. So, everyone, this is our Thanksgiving episode. This is it. Um, so, it will post on Tuesday of next week, and uh, it's our Thanksgiving. So, uh, favorite Thanksgiving side dish, uh, Stacy. Mine is a whole meal. So mine is uh, very much related to my culture and heritage. It's a um, spicy beef stew that you eat with freshly baked bread. And it's really something that you make once a year. 
Um, it's called Pepper Pot. Pepper Pot. I, I'm in. I'll be there. That sounds delicious. <laughs> it is. It's a delicacy. It is. How long does it take to make? Overnight. So, okay. yeah, overnight. So uh, six hours if you're just going to be in the kitchen and stir in the pot because there are different processes to get this just right. You've got to get the spices right and the orange peel and, you know, give the meat a nice flavor. Oh, I'm looking at it right now. Guyanese pepper pot or Guyanese? How, how would I pronounce that? Guyanese pepper pot. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this was a mistake because now I'm hungry. <laughs> that looks ridiculous. It's amazing. And you have to make freshly baked bread. Yeah, I see people dipping bread into exactly. the stew. The stew. Yeah, it's all about the stew because what gives it the flavor is, um, you know, the yucca plant? Yeah. Yeah. So you squeeze the juices out of the yucca plant, you boil it, it becomes this paste, and you add a ton of spices. And yeah. Dame, you do realize whatever Thanksgiving dish that you now mention is just going to seem silly. Yeah, I there's there's no good answer for me at this point because it's it's all very middle American blah uh, yeah. at this point. Whether it's you know corn and mashed potatoes, you know, or uh, baked beans or green beans, it doesn't matter at this point. How spicy is the pepper pot, Stacy? Very spicy, um, but of course, for my kids, we have to you know turn it down a, a bit. There's special kind of peppers that you use. What what do they call it? Do you know? Um, weary peppers. Wow. With a with a W. Okay. Weary. I do love mashed potatoes though. I love mashed potatoes. You can't go wrong with a potato. I have the uh build and the complexion of mashed potatoes personally. <laughs> um <laughs> yeah, anyway. Uh by the way, Brian Pingus joins us on the live stream. Happy birthday this week. Uh a friend of the show. Saw that. Uh let's do it. Let's do a show. Um, first segment, Dame. We talked about this. Uh-huh. And we sure said, did. Should I write should I write this down? And I said, no, 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 no. I got it. And my confidence is waning. Um, let me see if I can remember. Was the fiance one? It was. All right, let's do that. Okay. Okay. Uh, we're gonna start the show now and uh let's do it. In three, two, one. This week on the Pete the Planner Show, we answer your money questions. Here's how the show works. You email us, askpete at petetheplanner.com. That's askpete at petetheplanner.com, and we will answer your questions. And that's actually what we're doing today. By we, I mean uh, Damien Dunn is here, too. Hello, Dame. Good day, Pete. Happy Thanksgiving week to you, sir. Same to you. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for me as well. Uh, and joining us this week, first time appearance on the show, a your money line favorite, Stacy Livingston Hoyt. Uh, hello, Stacy. Good morning. Hi. Thanks uh, for having me. Our pleasure. You are a financial guide at your money line, which is where Dame and I both also work. And you yeah. solve people's financial problems all day long via email and phone and text and live chat and fax and Pony Express and skywriting, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I, I love uh, getting deep with people and, and just hearing what's top of mind and hard for them. Well, let's do it live on the air. Dear Mr. Planner, Mr. Advice, and Miscellaneous, who is on vacation this week, my fiance and I are trying to make a plan to pay off his student loans. Dame, can I get a timeout? First of the day. Dame, anytime I get a my fiance and I email... 
uh-huh. I, I start rubbing my hands together because I know it's going to get spicy. And in fact, I have not read any further in this email uh, in show prep than, than right here. So I don't know where this is going to go, but I'm predicting it's going to get spicy. Listeners, take note. If you want to get in front of Pete, <clears throat> just say it's you and your fiance. Uh, also, do you think that uh, the person like, it, it just goes fiance, like, you know, like goes over the top with it? What's your feeling? Uh, boy, they really could. I think that's a possibility. But we have different opinions on how best to go about it. Oh, <laughs> Stacy, this is the best. Let me first give you some details. Both of us are in our mid-20s. He makes $130,000. I make $90,000. He has a student loan balance of 105,000 with quite a few grad plus loans. I am 100% student loan debt free as of earlier this year. Some of his loans are at 7%, others at half or less than that. We think we'll have about $4,000 a month to do what we want beyond our expenses once we are married. He really loves the idea of leveraging debt. So the thought of paying off the 7% loans, but then making minimum payments on the 3% loans is appealing to him since investing can make more money. That makes me nervous personally, especially since we would like to start a family in three years. We aren't sure what that would look like. Would I stay home with the kids? Would I continue to work? With that in mind, I'd like to get them paid off before we reach that stage of life. I told him I wanted professional advice but he wasn't as enthusiastic. We talked about it and settled on asking you all as a compromise. <laughs> I love your show, Nelly. Oh boy, the pressure is on. Stacy, do you feel pressure right now? Uh, you know, we hear this a lot. Yeah, how do you how do you break down this situation? Uh, they've let's say they've got 3 years of $4,000 a month payments. I, I, I'm I'm saying, let's see, that's $48,000 a year for three years. They've got, what, 100 and... Dane, what's the matter? Like one, they, just, just over two years. Uh, well, no, I'm saying, for yeah, three years to go, right? So they're mm-hmm. going to have three years of $48,000. They're going to have like $130,000, oh, yeah, you know, or whatever it is. $144,000. Thank you. Stacy. how do you break this down? Yeah, I mean, I I feel as if this sounds like a math problem, but it's not really a math problem. Uh, They're both making, I mean, incredible income. I'm excited that they're at this stage of their relationship and they're putting this out there. Um, I am, from my point of view, I'm concerned that um, I don't want them to put themselves in a position where they're making the other person wrong. You know, I'm hearing some low-grade anxiety there, some nervousness. And I mean, overall, they can work out the numbers. They're making really good income. Um, but I, I think it's a situation of coming to the middle. Yeah, Dame, That's what I, I'm hearing. I feel that. I, Dame, uh, I hear Stacy saying it's not about the numbers, but a 7% interest rate on a student loan is a bit spicy. Sure. Yeah, I, I think there are exactly two wrong answers in this case. And that's if one of them gets their way entirely. Oh. Gosh, have you been doing marriage counseling on the side? No, no, that just comes naturally. Yeah, that's interesting. I hear that. So you think both of them have to take a beating here in order for this to work? I don't know if that's the exact phrase I would have used uh, to to, to describe (laughs) compromise, but I guess you could. (laughs) Sorry. 
That was deep seated, wasn't it? <laughs> so I, help me understand, Stacey, have you been able to distill based on my excellent reading, the two sides of this? So she wants to aggressively pay down the debt and he wants to aggress- aggressively invest. Is that what I'm... Yeah, and we don't have any other context as far as what they have saved, what they have invested, but just given the basic numbers they sent in. So this is this debt, this 105000 is 21% of their um, income going to the past. And we don't know the design that they have. They think they're going to have about $4,000 left over. And I'm assuming since they're listeners, maybe that includes adequate savings and that's just left over. Um, no, I, that's probably a fair assumption. Um but yeah, she does want to get it done in uh, before they start a family. So that that anxiety is already there before they, you know, launch life officially. So if if it's your call, let's say uh, it is completely your call, what's the best financial move? For them to find middle ground. For them to find middle ground, you can work the numbers. You can give them a marketplace of ideas to work with. Um, but I think like Dame said, they, they really do have to come to the middle. Dame, what's the best financial move? I think, uh, I think you can hopefully find some middle ground with getting rid of that, the, whatever's at 7%. And we, we don't know how much of this loan balance is a 7%, but getting rid of the 7% is, uh, I think number one priority. And then I think we have some room for compromise on the other. Do we make sure if we decide that we're going to let this play out, it has to be on a 10 year payoff plan plan at the least. So we're, we're not trying to stretch this out and try and maximize that has to be done in at least 10 years max. I think a potential interesting option is to bank a bunch of that $4,000 uh, a month that they're saving into either a high yield savings account or a non-qualified account. Uh, as they're paying off the lower uh, st- interest student loans. And as that time comes to start a family, <clears throat> if they decide that they are going to become a one income household, they can potentially start drawing out of that savings account or that uh, non-qualified account to help supplement some of those student loans if they need to. So they can kind of keep a foot in both ponds that way. Uh, That way there's some safety and security there knowing that those student loans aren't going to drag them down, but you're also getting ahead of the game with saving uh, in the meantime, if they can't make the entire budget go on uh, the remaining salary of the one income household going forward. Yeah. I think the key is to make sure if they do investing here, that it's non-qualified investing. Yes. That's the key to me because the second you lock it up in retirement funds, then you have restrictions. You have a lot less optionality. I think the name of the game of people in your 20s with this much discretionary income, big family plans, it's all about flexibility and optionality. And so I support paying off the 7% aggressively and then doing something in the line of what Dame says. Although, you know, obviously 5% yield is great. Mm-hmm. It sounds to me like the fiance is going to want more aggressive investing in that. And that's where the discomfort comes from the emailer is my guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like I said, there's going to be some compromise here. Yeah. All right. Hey, we did it. All right. Show's over. No, um, let's do this. (laughs) Let's answer another question. We'll do so after the break. So we, we have, we've officially weighed in on Nelly. Next, we're talking about Martin in Miami. Martin from Miami. It reminds me of the dish at Denny's eggs over Miami. Have you Mm -hmm. ever had that? I've never had it, but I've admired the name for years. 
I will do so as well. Next on the Pete the Planner show, I'm Pete the Planner. You did it, Stacy. Just like that. <laughs> One segment down. <laughs> All right. Goes fast, doesn't it? Well, well done. <clears throat> uh, that could have got that could have got a lot worse. I think uh, a fiance <laughs> questions usually go worse. Than that, you know. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, they're still in their uh, loving, adoring phase. I think at this point, and so they they still care about each other's feelings. Yeah. No ultimatums yet. Dane, when you engaged to Mrs. Advice, like how much did you rely on the the F word? Did, were you like, this is my fiance, or do you say this is Cassie, or do you were like, this is my girlfriend? Like, how did you go with this? Oh boy, uh, that's a, a long point. time ago. I, it is a long time ago. I I think I I used it pretty pretty casually. I like, yeah. I, but most of the people. We hung around the same people all the time. It's not like we were ma- meeting new people frequently at that, yeah. at that point. So, Stacy, I can't see you just just firing fiance out there all the time during your engagement. Yeah, I just call him by his first name. Yeah, that's probably a good <laughs> idea. Um, fair enough. All right, let's do this next one. Dame, how much do you think I need to get into the ticker symbols on this thing? None, zero. I thought you might skip it entirely. Okay, good. I don't. I don't want to read tickers on the air. You know what I'm saying, Sam? I mean, I do think it's interesting that every single investment is from the 403b company. Well, yeah. Do is there any choices outside of that? Uh, that oh, we yeah. don't know. Yeah. We we don't know. But <laughs> I, I mean, if if the expense ratio isn't inclusive of the investments either, I mean, now we're talking serious expense in that. We're getting ahead of ourselves. We're using yeah. valuable material. Uh, can I ask a question? Just since I haven't read this, do you think I need to take off all business names out of this thing? Because there's the uh, there's so the, there's the one at the top. Yep. Um, don't mention the investments. Yep. And uh, I can go with the, the, Van- the Vanguard reference. I think yep. is fine. <laughs> It is now. I mean, well, this is just a podcast, Pete. That's yeah, not the radio show. This isn't there. I, dude, I've been thinking about this this conversation for two weeks. It's so misplaced. Like, I'm. There are things I do, and you guys know this, that make no sense. But I just, it's like me paying my mortgage in person, which I did mm-hmm. on Wednesday, and everyone mocks me all the time, and I'm okay with that. This is one of those things. So many more people listen to the podcast than the radio show. Mm-hmm. Yet I'm still like, this is a radio show. <laughs> what an <laughs> dummy. Do you listen to the radio, Stacey? Yeah. See? I'm trying to impress people like Stacey. She doesn't listen to our show on the radio. Do you listen to our show on the radio? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, all right. All right. Sorry. We, um, we aren't, uh, nobody's picked us up uh, in her, uh, her network or her, uh, her radius. So no affiliates there. Where I am, yeah. That's true. All right. Let's do the thing in three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show, answering your money questions. Joining us this week, special guest co-host Stacy Livingston Hoyt from Your Money Line, and of course, as always, Damon Dunn. Hello, Dave. Hello, Pete. Hello, Stacy. Hello, dear Pete. I am new to the personal finance sphere. Can I get a time out there? Uh, granted, you don't read the word sphere in emails a lot. No, that was a little bit of a surprise, but you handled it wisely until you took a time out to talk about it. It's a fun word to say. Sphere. Have at it. 
That's not bad. <laughs> and discovered my educator 403B with a company has weighted expense charge of 1.6215. <laughs> That's very, very particular. I contribute $1,240 per month and have an account balance of $200,000 with a 70-30 stock bond mix of the below funds. And then Stacy, the person went off to list some funds, which I'm not going to go through. Although I will say one's a large cap fund, one's a small cap fund, mm-hmm. a growth fund, a stock index fund, uh, and then a high yield bond fund. I'm 53, earn around $170,000, will work for at least six more years and receive a net pension amount of 94500 annually. Good for them. My nice. wife, yeah. My wife will continue to work for five to 10 years and provide a net income of $36,000 annually. Wow. Uh, once she retires, she will receive a pension of $12,000 annually. Wow. Uh, we, I want to move in. We spend about $100,000 per year, which will go down once the two kids finish college and leave the nest. Fingers crossed. We have two Vanguard Roth IRAs with a balance of $37,000, which we max out and recently opened a Vanguard brokerage account with a balance of $6,000 and contribute $1,000 per month. I have so many questions, but I don't want to burn a time out. <laughs> My question is, what should I do about the outrageous fee-heavy 403B? Stop contributing and move the twelve fifty per month to the brokerage account, or is there another recommendation when I retire? I look forward to rolling the 403B into an IRA and working part-time earning $24,000 annually. Thank you for your help. Martin from Miami. So many questions. I have so many questions, and I'm sure you do too. Stacy. what sticks out to you is like a piece of information that you've just received here or that, that you wish you had to, to answer this question. I want to know if there's a match. Yeah. Yeah, and if there are other options outside of this particular vendor. Um, yeah. Dame, that's a 1.6%, uh, pardon me, 1.6215%. There we go. Is redonkulous. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, uh, yes, that is heavy. It is not as uncommon as we would love for it to be in 403B land because mm-hmm. it is often the case that the investment options uh, that, that uh, folks in that, that area are given are fee laden because they typically are offered inside of annuities that is changing somewhat, but, uh, they are often very, very expensive. Oh, here's my question. This per- and I know this is in Miami, which things are different in Miami, but this person is a, makes $170,000 a year as an educator. Mm-hmm. I have to think either a it's higher ed mm-hmm. or B it's a, it's like a superintendent of a school system or something like that. What, right. Or what am I missing? I, that would be my guess, higher ed or superintendent, or I mean, it could be a, uh, you know, higher up, ex, uh, position in a city County, uh, position mm-hmm. somewhere. Yeah. And sit on a pretty nice pension. Look at that. Right. I mean, they're going to have a hundred thousand dollars of pension and 106,500 in pension income. So this is to say, this is a problem that, that, What's the guy's name? Martin needs to solve. However, it's not a it's not a life or death situation. He, Martin and his partner have put themselves in a really good spot. How can we lessen the fees? Because in a in an equivalent four hundred one k maybe instead of paying one point six two one five, 
you may be paying like 30 basis points, like 0.32 or, or, or less, which is a huge difference. So Dame, does he stop contributing to that fund? Like so many answers in life, Pete, it depends. We, we have to know if there's a match, even if it's expensive, I still think you contribute to up to the match to make sure you get the free money. The best kind of money is free money. And if, if there's someone on the table, get it after that, man, uh, I would look for potentially something else. So you've got, uh, you got the Roth going on, which you're actively funding. You're got a huge pension, uh, go ahead and get the free money. But if you want to start putting into a, the non-qualified account, uh, I, I would have zero issues with that. The other question that I've got that you didn't ask me about is, is there social security uh, expected here as well? I don't know. With that level of uh, pension, I don't know if they will get social security out of that. It may be a covered pension. Um, so who knows on that? But if there is, that's even more income that mm-hmm. makes the savings less important. Doesn't mean it's not important at all because we need have some cash sitting around in case of emergencies to accomplish other goals or enjoy life a little bit. But uh, yeah, get the free money and then start contributing to the non-qualified account. Stacy, how much do you worry that this will affect the tax ramifications, the taxable income of someone if they, if they, cause that's, you know, a, a tax deduction. Yeah. I mean, I get that. Um, but still, I mean, there could be, you could make that up in other ways, potentially, especially if there's a match. So that's the one bit of detail. And I'm wondering if they, if because they left it off, if um, if maybe that suggests that there is none. And I also, I mean, they, they, they're new to the sphere of invest in. And I wonder if they thought past uh, or thought about those tax consequences as well. And if they're seeking professional advice there. Yeah, right. Because what they have done is diversify their tax base by contributing to a Roth IRA. And then this 403B does seem traditional in sense. So at least they'll have diversified tax base when they draw retirement income, which is a either they got lucky and it was an accident or, or that's a rather savvy savvy move there dame all things being equal and what we know i I think they should consider probably putting money in a different direction beyond the match because i mean they already have vanguard accounts and i'm guessing vanguard accounts the basis points are probably below 20 basis points which is what 800 percent different than what they're paying right now Yeah, a lot (laughs) they are contributing right now between eight and nine percent of their income towards the 403b Uh, Mm -hmm. and so if if there is a match and that's a a big assumption right now they're greatly outpacing probably what it takes to uh to to hit the full match and if they back it off it's probably not gonna be that much of a tax hit uh, at that point they're probably taking an extra um I don't know, $6,000 of income, let's just call it. And so we're not talking about a huge difference in taxes. So uh, I think the benefits far outweigh the, the the consequences in this case. Yeah, I think the biggest deal here isn't the tax consequences. It's the $200,000 balance that's subject to that rather large fee. Sure. And maybe there's... Um, in-service withdrawals that can be had. Uh, that it's, uh, I don't know if that's going to be the case in the 403B or not. Uh, I can't remember if those are even eligible in 403Bs, and that would certainly be plan-specific. But 
uh, he could certainly ask to see if there are such thing as in-service withdrawals to maybe get some of that money out and into an IRA while he's still working there. That's a good one. I six more years, Stacy, uh, of subjecting two hundred thousand dollars to about well, one and a half percent fee. I mean that that is uh, ouch. That's a lot of money. I mean, you're talking about fifteen thousand dollars of wasted fees at least yeah. over the next six years. I mean, it's just burning fifteen thousand dollars. Yeah, and I mean this the four three B industry is is known for this. It's problematic. It is an issue. All right, so let's do this. Let's take a break. I need to calm down. I need to calm down. <laughs> Go back. What is an acceptable withdrawal rate and why does it matter? That's what we're talking about next. Okay, so we will do that. This is the Pete the Planner Show. That's what you're listening to. And when we come back, it'll still be the Pete the Planner Show and I will still be Pete the Planner. All right. You know, when you discover and quantify, like when you discover a high fee and then you quantify it over time and you say, I'm burning at least 15,000. This person is trapped mm-hmm. burning $15,000. That stinks. Mm-hmm. For nothing. I mean, there, I mean, there's nothing else. If, if you were with an advisor that was charging one and a half percent, that's still a lot of money. But hopefully... They're giving you guidance and helping you be strategic and helping you ma- monitor your funds. So you're getting something of value out of that point. Right now, you just get the privilege of investing in that product. And that's that's no bueno. So yeah, look, it's a 70-30 stock bond mix over the next six years. I mean, without making just really silly predictions here, they're going to average 8 to 10 and then net out... Six point four to eight point four. That's brutal. All right. Um, yeah, I will say I was. You get in the world of like variable annuities or something like that. I mean, you're not talking about one point six percent. You don't want two point six five percent. Oh yeah, because about. you three. You got the cost of the contract, the M and E, all all that, and then you've got the investment charge inside of it now. Uh, variables have changed their pricing structure a lot. And there are some very inexpensive variable annuities, but they are bare bones annuities. There are no bells and whistles on it. So you have to know exactly what you're buying. When when an advisor says, or what the old adage, you know, you got to know what you're investing in. When you get into annuities, that is probably the most true place of anywhere. Annuities and insurance, because it can get very convoluted and confusing quickly. Mm-hmm. I, I don't feel that, Insurance and annuities are bad. I just don't. No. I do feel, and I, I know, Dame, that's not what you're saying. I do feel that you're exactly right. You do have to know if you have high fees, are those high fees purchasing something that is of value to you? That's where people get in trouble is they've got these high fees like in this situation, and it's there's no additional value. So it, it is burning $15,000. All right, let's do this. What are we doing? We're doing. Uh, who, who's 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 setting us up? Um, I can. Okay. All right. So I will tee it up to you. We will go from there, and we will vamanos in three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show. Now I don't know about you, but at some point in time, you're going to stop accumulating money, and you're going to start uh, burning money. You're going to start distributing that money to yourself so you can live, so you can pay your bills, you can you can buy your cheese. <laughs> uh, right, right, Dave? Yeah, sure. 
Okay. So uh, this concept of how much you're supposed to take out of your investments, it, it, it involves something called a withdrawal rate. Mm -hmm. Today, we're going to explore well, like, what is a good withdrawal rate and, and why does that actually matter? And to help us understand this, I, I go to my brother, Damien Dunn. Yeah, the the last couple of weeks, if if you were not in tune with financial Twitter, FinTwit or FinX or whatever it's called, there's been a bit of a, a kerfuffle, we'll, we'll call it. Uh, a bunch of super nerds arguing with a financial personality over what safe withdrawal rates actually are. There's a, a long-standing belief that if you once you retire, if you can keep your withdrawal rate around 4% a year, You've got a really good shot at making that money last the entire retirement because, Pete, I don't know if you agree with me or not on this, but there's nothing worse than talking to somebody who thought they were okay and then they find out five, ten years into retirement that the money is not going to be there and there has to be some changes made. Some of the least favorite professional conversations I've ever had have revolved around that that yeah. very thing. Now, Stacey, I, are you... I am not familiar with what Dame's talking about, like this the fin twit kerfuffle. Uh -huh. Like, Dame, is this what you tried to send me and I refused to watch it? Uh-huh. Okay. I didn't watch it. So I actually I, yeah. don't know what you're talking about. Stacey, are you do you know what's happening here? I didn't watch it either. I read the reply oh. from the uh from the super nerds about uh that. I didn't actually watch the show and listen to that personality. Okay. So I'm 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 all ears, Dame, because I sure. have no idea what's happening here. What, so, what what did that person say was a good withdrawal rate? Do you want to guess? Ooh, good one. Okay, so he's so this person is getting blown up for yes. giving bad advice. Four percent is the uh, rule of thumb. We know how we feel about rules of thumb. It can change and has changed with a few other things, but let's just call it four percent for argument's sake. A segment. Let's do that, and I want to go one step for, further. Personally, okay. and as I look at my own finances, I use three percent. Okay. Okay. I just that is me, and I'm willing sure. to say that on air. So this person went higher than four percent. Clearly, five would be five would be. Uh, I've heard it before. That was like a thing mm -hmm. in Absolutely. the nineties. Six would be a problem. And so if people are freaking out, the person said six percent. Stacy, do you want to wager a guess, or you already know because you've read something on this? Yeah, higher, higher, Pete. Higher, Pete. The 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 individual claimed that you could safely withdraw eight percent a year. 8% and be okay. With a 100% stock allocation yes. in retirement. Based on what date? Because because you should expect a 12% return, leave 4% in for inflation and take 8% out. You're still making money inside of the account and uh, you're safe to take the money out and spend it as you see fit because it just happens, man. And 8% makes people feel good. Dame, do you remember? Uh, do you remember mock retirement? There was the Monte Carlo charts within mock mm -hmm. retirement, and I, I, I almost want to find it. Um, I believe an eight percent withdrawal rate leads to an eight percent chance of having money left over after thirty years. So this is the really interesting part of the conversation. There are some variables, very important variables in this. How long are you going to need the money? I, if, if financial planning gets really pretty easy, if I know exactly how long you're going to need the money. And unfortunately, in this case, I'm asking when you're going to die. 
is what it comes down to. So if if you're not going to live very long, you could potentially take 8% safely and not worry about it. But if you anticipate living to the average, which may not be as long as you think it is, according to recent numbers, uh, you can't take 8%. It gets crazy. If you have a 100% allocated uh, of your portfolio allocated to stocks and you take 8%, the chances that you make it for 30 years are between 15 and 20%. See, so you give financial guidance for a living. Can you imagine giving this guidance to not only a single person, but to millions of people? It's heartbreaking. No. It's hard. Here's what's tough about this. math. Yeah. I I think, and I, I, it's not about this person, but that no. that's... That's off. Dang, I say so many dumb things on this show and have for 15 years, but I never say anything like professionally dumb. Like that no. is dumb. Yeah. I, I mean, we haven't even talked about sequence of return risk, which would absolutely decimate somebody. If you lose, uh, you know, 10% back to back years and are taking 8% out on top of it. Wow. And that's now we're talking 8% too, because is 8% of the original balance and that's what stays consistent between or is eight percent of a fluctuating balance because pe- people don't live off of variable incomes very well in retirement they want a specific dollar to make sure that it hits their account month in month out and if that means it's four percent of your portfolio one year and it's three percent the next year and maybe five percent the year after that as long as that same dollar amount hits that account that's what's going to give them the uh, the confidence that they can live their lives on a day in day out basis. Now, if they know that they're going to have to change their spending by tens, potentially tens of thousands of dollars from year to year, you want to talk about an uncomfortable retirement. There you go. That's a great picture. Is there any chance? I, again, I didn't watch the clip, and I feel I don't want to watch the clip. I'm ta- I'm talking pretty aggressively about something I didn't watch or read. It's okay. Is there is there a chance that the person's guidance was misinterpreted? No. Not at all. What was the application, Stacey? Did, I mean, do you, you read all the follow-up? Did was it? Did, was there like a caller on the show, and he just hit him with the numbers? I don't remember if it was a caller, yeah. but it was essentially um, you're in retirement, have your portfolio in 100% stocks, and um, feel better by taking eight percent because four is four doesn't make people feel good. Four so is unreasonable. Let me give you the context. It was a caller who made it onto uh, this individual show, said they had talked to somebody else in the organization who had uh, espoused essentially the 4% rule. And the host of the show was very upset. He said, that's trash. If that clip is up on the air, we need to get that down because that's garbage. You can take 8%. I know this doesn't make for good radio, like me reacting in real time to this. Maybe it does. I don't know. Yeah. I'm trying to think psychologically, what is the point of, do you think this person believes those numbers? Yes. Yeah. That, that, or, well, I'm not going to go any further than that. Yeah. I think they do. So, uh, uh, Stacy, what rate or what withdrawal rate do you like? I mean, like when you think four, yeah, I used four. to be at four, but look, I'm at three to three and a half. When I think about my own situation, mm-hmm. I think of three to three and a half, um, do I think I will earn more? Yeah, but that net is why I want three or three and a half. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I, I think it's a I think it's a flexible target. Honestly, if if you can make everything work with three, four, 
maybe even 5%. I, I think if you've got some some uh, barriers around you, you can make it work. You can have enough uh, wiggle room to make that money last the period of time that you're going to need it. And we're not talking about retiring with, or sorry, passing away, moving on to post-retirement with, with millions and millions of dollars. That's not the goal here. The goal is to just make sure that you are taken care of going forward. Now, if you've got all other goals outside of that, you know, leaving money to, to organizations or kids or family, completely different conversation. But uh, I, I think if you're in the three to 5% range, you've got a shot at making it work. But if you are hearing somebody else espouse other numbers, be very, very cautious. I'm just, I'm, I'm struck here. I'm struggling to understand the motivation for this. Like I, that's what I don't, I guess, wait, Dame, you're saying, well, the person really believes it. That's the motivation. They're saying what they believe, but, mm-hmm. and, I, and I, again, I'm also not the sort of person that would like want to get into an argument about that. That just right. seems so dangerous. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Speaking of big waste of money coming up after the break, uh, we're everyone's favorite segment, biggest waste of money of the week. Here's the thing about this. Kristen's gone. She's the world's worst guesser. Will Stacy replace her as the world's worst guesser? I don't know. I'm going to throw her for the loop. That's next on the Pete, the planner show. I'm Pete, the planner. I know people want to like pit personal finance experts against each other and like enjoy the thing. I just, Hey, I don't want to engage. Right. Uh, and I, I, I even feel bad not saying the person's name because it feels like we're being subversive. I just, it's silly. It's, um, I think we usually take a very reasonable approach to situations like this on the show. Uh, and I normally, if it was just some run of the mill, uh, you know, statement or, or belief, I would have probably just ignored it, but. 8% is dangerous and he, his audience is largely people who don't uh, don't know otherwise uh, from that. And so if they hear somebody say that you can take 8% of your income out in retirement, that's setting them up for major, major problems. Uh, there's also another wrinkle of that that we can discuss off air about some other stuff that creates bigger problems for his industry as well, but uh, not not for podcast or radio discussion. I appreciate that. Stacy. ever, you mean, giving guidance to one person is hard work because you have to understand as many things as you can about a person's life and then have the the confidence and the skills to to then prescribe something. And I'm not even talking about investing. I'm just talking about decision-making. How how would you, as someone who doesn't give advice to the masses, you do not give advice to the masses – how do you get your head around as an individual practitioner, people who have a big platform giving guidance? Is that make you nervous to even think about? It does because we're we follow the the headlines. We follow uh, sensationalism, and um, this person is supposed to be an expert. And you know, you might assume that that person somehow is looking out for you or has your best interest, and that can really be problematic. I, Dame, you know me very well. Uh, I used to care more about mm-hmm. this competition. And mm-hmm. by the way, we compete with this person's workplace product literally yep. every day. Yep. And, and we usually win. Um, I don't know. That's a tough one. And I also, I'm like, I, I'm, I'm not a hot take machine anymore other than paying your mortgage in person. You know, that's about it. That's a... <laughs> That's about the level of how great everyone needs to pay their mortgage physically in person. That's you heard it right here. 
on the Beat the Blender show. Part of me, uh, part of me wonders, and this is not meant to be uh, ageist in any way, shape, or form. Oh, but care, trade carefully. <laughs> but he's he's getting closer to retirement. Sure. And I I wonder if he's experiencing some of the. I'm just going to say whatever at this this point, and I'm going to take stands in a fit. If I back out, then I back out because I've got more money than I'll ever know what to do with at this point. Anyway. But what's the? Be- I guess my point is, what is the benefit of that? Is it just the freedom to be like, I don't care? Because there's there can't be an economic benefit to him to say that. I wouldn't guess. I mean, he's, he's getting a ton of free free press, but it's pretty much amongst people who already take everything he says with a grain of salt anyway. Mm-hmm. All right, that's, and we're done. Moving on. Is this person now officially in like the Elon Musk and uh, Taylor Swift category of the show of where we just in cryptocurrency? It's just like we try not to talk about them. Very possibly after after this, I, only if uh, <clears throat> if situations dictate. Like I said, I I normally don't, but uh, this was a, a unique case that I thought needed mentioning in case there's somebody who listens to that show and this show. I wanted to try and give a balanced perspective. Do you really think someone listens to that show and this show? Um, I, yeah, I do. I do think you really? Good. Yeah, I do. I hear that actually when I talk to people. That they listen to both shows. Um, are- that they they started with you know that person, mm-hmm. um, and they you know they've done the courses and all that. Yeah. Then they found their way here. Yeah, there's a a comment. There's a comment over on the side that says, "I was hoping you y'all would cover this in our our comments." Welcome, people from that land. We uh, (laughs) we're an empathetic Tennessee, huh? Tennessee, that land. Welcome from that land. Oh, I'd from that show. Oh, (laughs) we welcome all comers. No shame. All right, uh, let's. um, Oh man, I've I've been thinking about biggest waste of the money. All week since I knew this was going to be Stacy's first pass at it, I this is probably the most excited I've been for a biggest waste of money of the week in a long time. Oh dear! I feel like this one's unfair, but I'm going to try. I mean, I feel like okay. Kristen gets a lot of unfair ones, so you know, let's see what we can do. All right, we're ready to go. I need to uh, do this. Oh, Big Rick Swink says. Uh, I have a theory of who this is. I used to be all bought in. Well, there's there's no theory. We all know who it is. <laughs> like, if anyone doesn't know what we're talking about at this point, uh, Jason says, I think most people who listen to one financial podcast listen to multiple. I do believe that. Dame, I think that's sort of what sure. you're saying, right? Like, yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. Okay. I want to be done with this. All right. Uh, three, two, one. This week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pete the Planner Show is the Yerwork UR230 Eagle Watch. Erwork, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, introduces a new generation of its UR200 collection. The UR230 Eagle revamps the model with a sleek CTP carbon case fitted with a retractable cover. When shut, it displays the lower dial. Flip it open and unveil the entire revolving satellite complication in all its glory. Wearers can witness the three-armed carousel, each holding a rotating block with four hours numerals, while a skeletonized hand points to the minutes. 
The sophisticated mechanism is powered by a UR 7.3 movement with a 48-hour reserve and finished with a volcarbonized rubber strap. The Your Work UR 230 Eagle Watch. Stacy, is this an attractive watch to you? I couldn't even figure out what you were describing. Unless, I mean, other than you saying watch, it's... Um, <laughs> I could, yeah, with, if you had a, deleted that word, I couldn't tell you what you were talking about. Very complicated. Uh, Dame, is this an attractive watch? No, I, no, not in, not in the traditional sense, not in what I would argue the contemporary sense. It's, it's just not anything that's attractive to me. Stacy, how much does the, your work, you are 230 Eagle watch cost with the flip cover? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with, uh, with, the, with the convertible. Yeah, oh retractable my. cover. Yeah, um, retractable cover. $1,200. $1,200 is certainly a guess. Dame? No, uh, this thing's going to be six figures. I'm going to say at least hundred grand. Oh, my gosh. $200,000 American yeah. dollars. And with that, Stacy is officially the world's <laughs> worst guesser. Oh, my Congratulations, Stacy. You are terrible at guessing high-end watch prices. Clearly. Oh, my goodness. Dane, what's in the news this week? The gap in life expectancy between men and women is widening, and COVID is primarily to blame. Thanks, COVID. In 2021, women's life expectancy was 79.3, while men's was... Peter Dunn, I go to you for the first guess. 77.1. Stacy. 78. Those are two guesses. Men's was 73 and a half. Oh, my gosh. That's 79.3 for women, 73 and a half, the largest gap since 1996. COVID contributed to 40% of the difference as men were more likely to work in industries with high rates of exposure like transportation and women were more likely to be vaccinated. But the uh, opioid epidemic was also a major factor. Uh, Overdoses were much more common in men than women and accounted for 30% of the life expectancy gap. The reason I bring this up because my birthday's in like a week. Maybe. Like, I mean, that might have been some, some great planning on my part. But uh, it, we were just talking about, you know, retirement and planning and making sure that you're making good decisions going into retirement, Social Security decisions, all of that. There's a huge gap. And it's not like just the old uh, two-year uh, expected average anymore. That is nearly six years of time. And th- there's a lot that can happen financially in six years. So... Make Stacey, good decisions. Stacy, do you see Dame's brilliance here? What he's just given advice to all of our listeners is if you're a single man, take an eight percent withdrawal rate and you'll be fine. <laughs> that's what Dame just said, right? You'll be out of money. Yeah, Dame, that's that nice. actually the advice works. And, and social security early, as long yeah. as you're not working. Uh, because you're not gonna make it long enough to, for the break point to till it flips over. So there's <laughs> now you're starting to understand how I structure shows, Pete. Right now, way to go. Brilliant. What else is in the news? Every construction worker who ever accidentally left their tools at a work site now has something in comma with NASA astronauts who lost a tool bag worth a tool bag of tools. In it's space. gotta be a lot. I mean. They're probably one of a kind tools that are machined with care. Uh, uh, Five hundred thousand bucks. 
uh, relative steel at a hundred grand during a spacewalk on November 1st, the white satchel, which can now be seen orbiting the earth with a telescope or a good pair of binoculars. Pete, I'm going to need a timeout here. Granted. Do you have a pair of binoculars in your house? I have a pair of my grandfather's World War II field glasses uh-huh. that he had on the beach of Iwo Jima uh-huh. at my house. Do you think you could potentially see a tool bag floating in space with those binoculars? No, I, you actually can barely see across the street. <laughs> I don't think they were very helpful back in World War II. I would love to see the pair of binoculars that can see a tool bag floating in space. I, I'll be genuinely interested in seeing that. Uh, the bag eluded astronauts Jasmine something and Laurel, uh, Laurel O'Hara during a maintenance spacewalk on the International Space Station. So don't worry. The tool bag has now been classified as uh, space trash, I believe, or space junk at this point. So it will disintegrate and you won't have a wrench fall out of the sky and hit you in the head at terminal velocity. How do you forget uh, a tool bag in space? I guess it's just like like you started the you just forget a tool bag at a work site. How do you leave a coffee on top of your car and then drive off with it? Like I can't believe it wasn't attached, like tethered to something. Yeah, interesting. Anyway, uh, Dan, what else in the news? Pete, have you ever wondered how big Amazon carts are? Oh, big Amazon carts are. Like how much can you actually put in an Amazon cart? How many items or how many dollars? You can decide that. Let me just cut to the chase. They're big enough to hold a car, Pete. Big Uh enough to hold a car. Hyundai will become the first automaker to sell new cars on the shopping site in 2024. The two companies announced uh, earlier this week. Prospective buyers can search the website for available vehicles in their area by model, color, and features, and then choose payment and financing options. They can then either pick up the vehicle or have the dealership deliver it to their door. That's right. You can buy your next car on Amazon. I have a question. Why? I don't know if this is good or bad. I, why wouldn't someone just buy a car at Hyundai.com? Well, they don't do that. Oh, so I mean, the, the, this, like the, the, the real science or the technology here is that they've made it possible to buy a car at Amazon. Like that's the story. Yeah, the story is that you can buy that a major manufacturer and Amazon are partnering to sell cars on Amazon. Yeah, Stacy, do you think this will be wildly popular or no? I don't think so. Um, buying cars online through Amazon now that's different. So people buy cars online all the time, but through Amazon, that's different. I'm worried. Yeah, that makes me a little bit nervous. I, especially with credit being how it is right now and interest rates being how, uh, yeah. this feels like uh, buyer's remorse is sitting around in your jammies buying cars seems like a bad thing. I feel like it's an extension of Tesla for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, Tesla does it all on their own website, but this is just Hyundai leveraging uh, Amazon at this point. And I think there are other deals with other manufacturers soon. I mean, you could actually have an Amazon auto mall, uh, coming to, uh, your web, your computer screen in the next, uh, year or so as an Amazon shareholder. Let's hope that works out. Dame, any other stories? Uh, your Thanksgiving dinner will probably be cheaper this year. The typical 10 person Turkey fest will cost $61 and 17 cents, a four and a half percent decline from last year's record high of $64 and a nickel, but 25% higher than 2019's total. So there you go, Pete. Uh, you can uh, you can splurge a little bit and get a, a, an extra dessert possibly for your family. I got to go 
ingredient shopping tomorrow morning. Uh, this year, I'm going with like an 18 pound bird, mm-hmm. and then I'm going to get a separate turkey breast and make that for some additional protein for the people. I think once you go above 20 pounds and try to cook a turkey above 20 pounds, just the experience is not great. So I'm going smaller. And then uh, I don't know what they're going to do with the the legs and the thighs of the bird's breast that I take. But now this sounds very, very barbaric. And I I regret bringing it up. Are you doing anything special with the turkey this year? I always spatchcock it. You know that. Uh, You got to spatchcock it. Cuts the the cooking time down to about 90 minutes. Yeah. I'm a big, I bring big spatchcock energy to the kitchen, you know? When do you start prepping? Uh, I, I so Tomorrow, right? So Saturday and... Uh, brine and all of that? Uh, dry brine. I'm a dry brine man okay. myself. And it's with that, I bid everyone to do. Uh, Stacy, thanks for being here. Dame, thanks as always. Everyone else, sending you good vibes because good vibes are all that's in the budget. I'm Pete the Planner. This is Pete the Planner Show. All right. Well, Stacy, great job. Well done. Thanks. Thanks. Um, I got to go. It's just fun spending time with you all. Um, I've got to edit this show, send it to the station, and then go have some meetings. Mm. Meetings. I have a two o'clock meeting at a, a coffee at a Starbucks in the busiest intersection in the city. And I'm mad about that. Is it with a reverse mortgage specialist? By chance? <laughs> <laughs> that caught me. That was funny. And I think my head's going to spin all day about the uh, withdrawal rate thing. I did not know that. Well, now you can go back and watch that video. I just don't. It. I just don't get the motivation. Like that's where I'm. Yeah, I disagree with the advice, but you and I, Dame, you and I disagree about stuff. Who cares? But sure. I feel like I always know your motivations in a good spot. I don't understand the motivation. That's where I'm struck here. Uh, for financial freedom for the people, Pete. I'm sure that's what the motivation is. And a retraction probably isn't coming. <laughs> <laughs> when you can never admit that you're wrong, retractions usually don't come. Uh, it's with that that I will now spend the rest of my day looking up pepper pot recipes. Thank you, nice. Stacy. Have a good Thanksgiving with your family, Stacy. Great job today. It was nice having you. Thank you. My pleasure. Good to be here. Uh, Damien, Andrew Dunn, have a good, uh, week or so. I'll, I'll miss you, my dear friend, and, uh, have fun with your family and everyone else. Stay getting money.